www.j-air.com.au. You are listening to J-Air, 88 FM. You are tuned into the Habbo radio station everyone loves. J-Air, 88 FM. On air 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And online at j-air.com.au. Greetings, dear listeners. It's December. Pinch punch. Well, December the 1st has passed. We're now into December with the joys coming of the birth of Christ and Christmas and love and uh, fellowship, brotherhood to um, all men and women. Um, And, of course, Hanukkah is there and the miracles that went with that. (coughs) And, of course, the little-known festival of Yalda, uh, which is a Zoroastrian uh, festival, the Persians, um, indeed with pomegranates and feasting and all kinds of things, uh, which celebrate at the same time. This is this week's edition of The London Beat, Warren Wills, uh, recovering from a prolonged radio silence with a most appalling sore throat and chest infection, which um, hopefully seems to be finally making its way somewhat reluctantly round the back door. I'm trying to give it the big kick, the big boot, and out it goes. <coughs> Excuse me, so you'll have to put up with some uh, rather uh, indiscriminate and random coughing, I'm afraid, during all of this. Well... Now, as we head toward the end of the year, there's been certainly been some stories, many of which are still ongoing, many of which we know about, <coughs> and uh, many curious stories. Um, um, indeed, what has become of Imran Khan? Indeed, Australia has won, rather extraordinary, uh, though it was, having lost the first two in the uh, ODI uh, tournament that happened over in India. Glenn Maxwell being somewhat of a hero. Um, that policeman... And the most extraordinary story, who tasered a 90-plus-year-old woman who was coming at him very slowly in a Zimmer frame and a pushner with a knife. He tasered her. She died. Well, he's been done for manslaughter. And Mushroom Woman, whatever became of the Mushroom Woman? Beef Wellington always round. It was a Sunday lunch. Fortunately, the kids didn't like Beef Wellington, so they didn't have any. But all of her guests, bar one, died. Uh, he needed a new liver. Uh, and she had bad tummy aches, apparently. Yeah, anyway, all the other guests died of mushroom poisoning. What an extraordinary story. Um, scary stories? Yeah, what about the kids who went to school by cable car in Pakistan and it was dangling? And they were all rescued, a bit like the Indian um, uh, Indians who were rescued, led by a man from Mombol here in Melbourne, um, trapped uh, underground as they were building and working. And fond farewells to Peter Hitchener and Neil Mitchell. Peter Hitchener... The face, the news broadcaster, I suppose, in modern day, what Eric Pierce was back in the day, uh, here in Australia, Neil Mitchell, 3RW Talk Radio. Both are hanging up their voices, their boots, their professional, um, yeah, ubiquity in a way, uh, here in Melbourne. It's a bit of sort of fun farewell. Um, 
rather disturbingly. Last year, you might remember Uganda, of all countries, yes, Uganda, gets into the news occasionally um, because um, anyone practising homosexual, lesbian or otherwise, uh, is a criminal offender, I think punishable by death. Well, Russia's uh, decided to jump on that bandwagon of immorality and uh, good Christian culture, good Christian ethics, and nice to see. Well done of Vladimir Putin leading the way with, um, yes, anyone who is a, a member of the LGBTQ uh, community, of course, is an extremist. Um, in a year it's seen the appalling erosion of human rights every which way around as you can no doubt appreciate a huge thank you to JB Jordan Brown doing the heavy lifting over there <coughs> excuse me, Gillingham in Kent and um, life changing stuff going on for him which is uh, good to see in a positive way um, I believe um, snow and the cold has thrust itself firmly now upon the United Kingdom, and David Cameron. Can you believe David Cameron is back from the, uh, the wilderness? Goodness me. Having fallen on his own sword with a disaster that was EU, somehow that's his qualification for him to now be Foreign Secretary. Bizarre times that we live in. Uh, I call that to all of our friends, John Farland, Adrian Silas, and so on. I'm wishing you guys a very happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah, and a great December, and we can only look forward with a little bit more optimism, uh, to 2024. <coughs> We've got some great music <coughs> for you coming up for this week's edition. And a couple of very, very interesting um, interviews. One with Denise Sylvie. She is the, not, well, she's the artistic director of the longest running and probably the most successful show, Straight Play, in theatre history. It is indeed... Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap, it's on at St Martin's Lane, and has been for over 70 years, and she's currently in rehearsal with that, as it's going off to India and China and God knows where. Uh, she is a producer in her own right. Uh, she is being interviewed on this week's show, so have a listen up for that. And the fantastic Alistair McGowan, very well-known um, UK impressionist TV personality, now over in Ludlow, where he is um, looking into far more, I suppose, cultured artistic pursuits. So uh, that's all very exciting. You'll be hearing a couple of interviews with them. You'll be hearing lots of music. And uh, it's great to have the privilege and pleasure of your company. This is Warren Wills. Welcome you to this week's edition of the London Beat.
guest. Have you seen the old man walking down the streets of London? We're coming live from London. We're virtually sitting on the steps of St. Martin's in the fields. I'm here with the multi-talented, the glorious and the wonderful Denise Sylvie. Welcome back to the show. Hello, it's wonderful to be back. We are here in, I can only describe this, it's, it's like being here in the middle of July. It is. And here we are approaching winter. It's the most beautiful day here in central London. And I'm thrilled to have the multi-talented Denise Sylvie, who has literally, I mean, virtually just come back from the Edinburgh Festival. I have indeed. I have been back about three or four weeks, but yeah. It's well, very... I'm going to say hot-footing it back from, uh, yeah, from Bonnie, Scotland. But oh. uh, so, to say, so tell our listeners a little bit about how was the festival for you, what was going on up there? Festival was great. I did two completely different shows. One was a political piece, and I ran a venue for two weeks as well. It's a huge undertaking. There is so much competition. Should we tell our listeners that virtually from 8 o'clock in the morning till 2 o'clock in the morning, like 16 hours later, every stone that anyone can stand on is being used as a venue? This is very true, and you and I have done it. Well, there's a lot of competition. Absolutely. (laughs) So running a venue is no small undertaking. So how did you feel about all that? Um, well, it was sort of a posh venue, so it was a bit different. It was set in a hotel, which was um, a little bit outside. So um, it was a classy one. So we only actually ran it from about 3 o'clock until 10 every night. So it wasn't so bad. Okay. But so you, you obviously had... A home of companies, a um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, we had a whole series of guests, so we had a, a sort of afternoon chat show. Okay. Um, with three guests on that every day, and then we had a host of celebrities that came in and did concerts or talks. Fantastic. In the Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And you managed to get the word out, and there were a few bums on seats, we hope. There were a few, and in the hotel we had our own little fringe garden, so we had, you know, drinks and pizzas and ice creams and things, and the weather surprised surprisingly for Edinburgh in August was really quite warm. Because normally, as you and I both know, it normally rains every single day. Every single day. I have a special uniform for Edinburgh that only comes out in August. This time it was okay. Fantastic. Oh, well, one of the very few uh, redeeming aspects of uh, climate change, you can say. I think we're heading for 26 degrees this weekend. I know, I can't wait. Yes. It's ridiculous, but there we are. There we are. So you came back from Edinburgh, and we were also talking about the fact that uh, that God has granted you a few more hours every day now that you don't have to come and do the uh, the office commute on a daily basis. Indeed, I work largely from home. How good is that? It's better than good, I have to say. I rather love it. It's the first time I've been into the centre of London in a week, which is unheard of, or would have been unheard of before. Um, The world has changed so much since COVID, and, and I still find it odd coming to London more so than most other places. So many people are still really ill with COVID. Mm, I know. It hasn't gone anywhere. No, it's possibly going to get worse, but we'll brush that one aside. <laughs> Bizarre. We're, got, we're going to come right back and talk about another hat that you wear. Something to do with, I think, possibly the world's longest running... Oh, I can't uh, imagine what that could be. Let me think. Is that right? Yeah. Where you're on 88 FMJ. This is Warren Wills in conversation with Denise Silver. We've got a pause for music. We'll be right back. You are, of course, listening to this week's edition of The London Beat.
and a huge warm welcome back to all our listeners for this week's edition of the London Beat coming live from the steps of St Martin's in the Fields. Uh, just opposite um, a rather large column of a, a man who's about to be on the screen, I believe, Admiral Nelson, starring alongside Joaquin Phoenix, who's playing Napoleon Bonaparte in the release of Ridley Scott's new film, which is just about to drop. And uh, at a time where I think filmmakers are getting a little more serious, given we've had uh, a Salvador Dali with Ben Kingsley and we've had Oppenheimer uh, that's been on, I think it's fantastic that we've got Napoleon, but more importantly, never mind Napoleon, here comes the Empress herself, Miss. <laughs> Uh, Miss Denise Sylvie. Denise, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Wonderful build up. I thought, where is this going? Yeah. Indeed. Now, tell me, what is. This must be in the Guinness Book of Records. Oh my goodness. What is the longest running play in the world? The longest running play in the world is The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. The Mousetrap. Now, you wouldn't happen to know anyone who's involved in this production, would you? Well, oddly enough, I might. Do share, do share. um, Strangely enough, it could be me. Um, I am the artistic director of The Mousetrap and have been since 2009, having been in it several times before, but not in its run for... It'll be 71 years on November the 25th. And can you tell me, I've got a few questions about that, you're up to performance number, do you know? Absolutely no idea. Okay. Um, Twenty-seven. Now that's really unfair. Okay. That. Next I could, question. I could actually check. No, no, no. I, I've got to throw some yeah. some scattergun questions at you. Yeah. Are any of the original cast still alive? No, not now. Aww. The last one was Jessica Spencer, who played Miss Casewell, and she died only about two years ago. Okay, that's interesting. Next question. Yeah. Has the staging remained constant, consistent throughout, or has it evolved? Um, we've tried to change it a bit. As long as everyone goes in and out of the doors at the right time, right. Um, we let the actors sort of... We, we work on it in each different... So doors. people haven't been straight-jacketed for 71 no, years? No, absolutely not. And next question, does it still pay its, it pay its way after 71 years? Absolutely. We have sold out signs, both in London and on the tour at the moment. Well, we'll come to the tour in a minute. Quick, okay, in London, would you say the majority of people who see it are seeing it for the first time still? Oh, yes, definitely. It's been one of those interesting things. We were the first ones out of the traps after COVID. And we had two um, two casts, which so we had a cast on and a cast off just in case anybody got ill. And we did that for the first eight weeks. And everybody wanted was desperate to see theatre. So all those people who'd never seen it before came to see it. And then they were telling their friends, and then everybody was, was still coming to see it. So a lot of them are so first timers. I was going to say, if if you are a tourist in London and you are from Japan or Canada, South Korea. Australia. Uh, I imagine it's one of the um, bucket list must-see shows. Because it's up there with Madame Tussauds and the Tower of London, I it think. It must be. But there's a lot of Brits there as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. This is good news. I'm going to ask you about the tour, but before we do that, we're going to pause for a little bit of music. You're listening to One Rules, a conversation with Denise Sylvie, this week's edition of The London Beat.
fans, a huge warm welcome back to all our listeners for this week's London. Bums a bit. I'm rather bemused. I just discovered this week upon arriving in London, I thought Neighbours had finished and they'd farewelled everyone and Harold Bishop. I've discovered it's on again. They're filming and shooting. It's not on in Australia, but it's on in England. And Guy Pearce is in it. I thought he'd become a big Hollywood star. He remembers his humble beginnings. He remembers what brought him to Hollywood. believe Neighbours is on again and it's here in England. I get very excited about nothing but you know what sitting opposite me is someone who's going to tell me about something else that's on I heard on Channel 4 and it's called Party Gaze and it's a mockumentary apparently it's fantastic. Welcome back to the show the multiply talented incredible she's not really had anything to do with Napoleon Bonaparte at all she's far more talented and far better looking. Uh, Welcome back to the show Denise Sylvie. Thank you very much Warren. Before we get on to what your main shtick is have you heard of this thing that's currently doing the rounds on Channel 4 called Party Gate. Yes, I watched it the other night. Please, tell me about it. Um, I thought it was rather a bit of an incendiary device, especially during the Tory party conference when they showed it. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Odd timing that, I thought, but perfect. Um, what a coincidence. <laughs> it wasn't a coincidence hmm. there. Um, yes, I thought it was um, fascinating. I wonder if you'll get that in Australia. I'm not sure everyone's up to speed with Partygate. Well, Partygate comes from when we were in the height of COVID and we were being told to be, you know, separate and. Um, oh, we all we all saw the Queen in mourning, sitting on her lonesome. Indeed. Being a good girl and obeying all the uh, restriction rules that were uh, yes. ushered down from un- upon high from Mr. Boris. Indeed, while they were all partying in Number Ten. Disgraceful. Especially the night before Prince Philip's funeral. Disgraceful. But there we are. Well, we'll keep an, an eye and an ear open for it. Now, as someone who is attached to a British institution, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not talking about Prince Philip either, so, uh, but for someone who is attached to the mousetrap, tell me about the touring, because um, you, you, you just mentioned it as artistry, you've been to India. Yes, I have. I've taken the production to India twice, with two Mumbai, Chennai, and Bangalore. In Hindi, Gujarat? No, no that, was in, that was in English, and I took an English cast over. Very nice. Which was very lovely, and hopefully we're going back again. But I've also taken it to China. We went to Shanghai twice, once with an English cast and once with a Mandarin cast. And what did the Mandarin cast make of it? Did they, um, did they get all the nuances and subtleties and mm, the humour? It was it was an interesting experience and I did it with a translator whose English was about as good as my Mandarin. Okay. So it was fine. It was, yeah, they, they did get most People of it. turned up? They, my God, yes, full houses, yeah. Um, were there, it's quite a big English community now in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Did they turn up and got a rather surprise it was in Mandarin? I can't imagine <laughs> the, uh, the expat Brits and Aussies who live in Shanghai. I'm not sure they're Mandarins up to it yet. No, I think they knew that one was in Mandarin, but the ten about a year before, ten months before, I'd taken over an English cast. In right. fact, I was in it as well because somebody dropped out. Right. So uh, we've done it in English in the same theatre. So fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Looking, if I'm sure I asked you this last time, looking into your crystal ball for 2024, which um, we certainly hope doesn't have the same setbacks as 2023. Mm-hmm. What uh, what is um, cool in terms of um, directing and producing and the mousetrap? What, what, um, well, the mousetrap has been on tour in this country um, already for a year and it's going on, it's doing 70 weeks at 70 different venues in Britain. And so we With are, the same cast? No, no, we recast it three times, so we're in the middle of the second cast okay. at the moment. 
Um, and that's sort of my baby. So we're doing, um, we're just about to recast it for the third and last leg. And that goes on. It started in September last year, 2022, and it goes on until August 2024. Wow. It's a long old haul. Well, listen, Denise, it's such a pleasure seeing you. More grist to your mill. And long may you continue to rollick and frolic freely around Chiswick and not have to uh, endure the uh, yes, the commute. <laughs> We're going to pause for some music. What a delight it is to be in London. It feels like the middle of summer. And we've been listening to Denise Sylvie in conversation. You are, of course, listening to this week's edition of The London Beat. For once... Believe in something you can't see Have faith, for once have faith For once in me the first time things aren't what they seem you won't know me the next time we meet a different time in a different street let go let go of any superstition let go let go trust your intuition The way seems dark But all will be revealed I know you hurt But soon you will be healed A chill wind blows You stop in your tracks Should you travel on Should you go back You shiver, you go on Snowflakes falling Stirring up old memories A far-off voice calling Let go, let go Of any superstition And a huge warm welcome back to all of our listeners for this week's edition of The London Beat, coming from the 
middle of Piccadilly, the hub, the pulsating centre of the West End, and sitting next to me, sitting opposite me, is a man who has, who has thrown off his panto costume, stopped doing those imitations, and headed out into the rural, rustic life, where in Wales, apparently, some people talk like that. They're very supportive. Welcome to the show. The fantastic talent that uniquely is the wonderful Mr. Alistair McGowan. Alistair Hello, not completely giving up the impressions, and not quite Wales either. Have, On the have, I, have I misrepresented you? No, I'm not doing many stand-up gigs at the moment. I might go back to it, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, happy doing other things at the moment. I kind of think I might be wrong. When I now think of you, I kind of have this seismic shift. I'm kind of thinking comedy, 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 and the needles turn to music. Is that true to say? Yeah, that's where the obsession lies. I mean, if you're going to do anything creative, you've got to be obsessed by it, driven yep. by it, passionate about it. And uh, that's where my interests and passions lie now, definitely. Was there a point in your life you thought comedy, mm. Oh, I don't know. I think it happened very slowly, and it's only since I've sort of—it's just suddenly the ideas dry up. All right. Suddenly think, well, I'm not thinking anything funny anymore, right. uh, and I don't know why that happens. Partly, I think you want to comment on society, and suddenly get to a certain age. I'm nearly 60, I suppose, and um, you know, you, you, I feel less in touch with the world, so I don't feel I can comment on the world in the same way that I used to. Right. Well, of course, in music, um, we deal in abstraction, so we don't have to. Uh be specific to anyone. Well, no, and also you're living in the past a lot in music, which is a very nice place to be. Right. In many respects, you know, and your relationships become with people who don't change. They don't disappoint you suddenly. We know all we're going to ever find out about, you know, Eric Satie or about Chopin or about Debussy. So we know who they are. It's, it's quite a nice comforting thought. It's a comforting thought that they, they, they gave us gifts. They actually did bother. They weren't selfish and they decided to set their thoughts down in manuscripts oh. and language. Because I remember being five or six years old and my mum used to say, who would you rather be with living people or dead people and I said well it depends who the dead people are I have a lot of fun spending hours with J.S. Bach and his pals so yeah 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 absolutely and uh, yeah you just shut yourself off in your own world with that sort of music and I absolutely adore that now and it's time consuming and wonderfully time consuming in a sense you know when you're not rushing around everywhere but I think anybody who's taking up an instrument or suddenly starting to get interested in that sort of music any sort of music but particularly classical and particularly piano which is what I can talk about you know it's easy to say oh I can't find half an hour in a day. I can't do two hours practice a day, which is what you know you really want to do, need to do to improve. But if it's 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, it's amazing what you can suddenly take out of your life and think, oh yeah, I don't miss that anymore actually. I've just done 20 minutes of scales, or I've just done 20 minutes on that bar, or I've done 20 minutes on that piece, and suddenly... It all helps. It's it an accumulative... Helps. It doesn't happen overnight. It's an no, accumulative effect. It is. But I have still been doing impressions, uh, although they're not sort of up to the minute. One of my latest ventures actually was doing a film, uh, which is out, probably streaming very soon. I know it's around in uh, art house cinemas at the moment over here probably in Australia too uh, or will be called uh, My Name is Alfred Hitchcock and it's a two hour documentary that I voice as Hitchcock talking about all the styles that you're in this film techniques you see to tell the stories better uh, where he put his camera how he treats some of his actors themes he returns to so that was very interesting and it's, it's a good watch without, like without having to um, unlike Anthony Hopkins get into a fat suit yes quite, quite. <laughs> I had to get into a fat voice, but not a fat suit. Very, very good. That sounds very exciting. You, it was really exciting. Yeah. Is this something, did you did you actually write the script for this, or are you just voicing it? I just voiced it, and it was lovely to come in at that time. Mark Cousins is the director, and uh, he did a great job on it. So, and that, uh, before we move away completely from the comedy thing, I 
I have a debt of gratitude. I've got to give you a big thank you. Oh. One of my now, I think, one of my favourite pieces of writing mm. is actually the dodo piece by an old cow, which I actually uh, think yeah, yeah. is. If you see what, what are your top ten pieces that you'd like to be read to you, wow. I think that may well be one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not yet the dodo. It's called yeah. yeah. About a family called the Bedringtons. So moving. It's really moving about their their gay son. It's, it's but it's, it's clever. It's witty. It's funny. It, it's life. It's a microcosm of life compressed yep. into well, a bit If you want another tip for a moving piece of writing which I was involved in last year for the first and I hope not last time mm. do you know a piece called Enoch Arden? No. It's a poem by Tennyson a long form poem by Tennyson which Richard Strauss got hold of Right. and in German it's now obviously in English as well because Tennyson wrote it in English but he did it in German he put music to it it's not even a musical version of it there's bits of music under this poem right. you need a good pianist you are a good pianist you need a good reader but the story of Enoch Arden interesting you won't get through it without crying I had to employ so many techniques when I performed it last year in Ludlow at our piano festival to stop me from crying and only uh, it still didn't work I Three or four years ago, during lockdown, we all had a little bit of extra time. Mm. I'd never known an awful lot of writing by Byron. Mm-hmm. And I came across his poetry form, rhyming verse, of the Pied Piper of Allen. Oh, really? Yeah. Each utter genius. Yeah, yeah. Utter genius. Yeah. Well, yeah. to maintain that rhythm for so long. And it's the same with the Enoch Arden. It's so clever and yet so moving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tennyson, you know, it's not rhyming, but there is a structure we tried to take. We did take out a few lines because it's long in performance. But even then, if you take out a few lines, or words, you've got to make sure you obey the meter because there is a meter to it. You can tell when it's right, not right. quite right. But yeah, it's a masterful art form which is much neglected. But check tr- that out. We are going to pause for some music now. But when we come back with the uh, delightful, still impressive and impressionistic and doing impressions, Mr. Alice McGowan, we're going to talk about a little festival that's brewing on his doorstep. You are listening to Alice McGowan conversation with Warren Wills for this week's edition of the London Beat.
goodness, it is so nice to hear Dave Brubeck and friends do their thing. There was a, a review not so long ago, the five greatest selling jazz albums of all time. Of course, Keith Jarrett's Cologne Concert is always number one. But uh, Take Five, Miles Davis, um, uh, pretty well up there. The glorious Mr. Alistair McGowan is sitting as opposite. Alistair, you have something to do, I believe, with some kind of festival, is that correct? Yeah, anybody can come. It's the Ludlow Piano Festival, beautiful part of England, uh, just on the Welsh border, as you mentioned, in Shropshire. I inaugurated it last year. It's a five-day festival in a beautiful town with lots of nice accommodation, beautiful surrounding countryside, and some really, really good pianists and pianistic events. It doesn't compete, I hope, with the Edinburgh Festival, does it? No, if anything, it competes with the Hay Festival, or runs alongside the Hay Literature Festival. So if anybody's moved to come from Australia for an arts bonanza, you can go to the well-known, well-publicised Hay Festival and listen to people talking about any number of intellectual subjects, and then you can come across the Ludlow and listen to four or five days, or go to both of, uh, of piano music. So what part of, what part time of the year are we talking about here? May, end of May. So we're 22nd to 26th this year, and uh, we begin with a celebrity concert, which um, is great fun. Various uh, people from the world of television and sport come and play a piece, and Fabulous. most of them play very well. Some collapse. Right. Uh, and then we have four days, four events a day, and we've got some good pianists and some good events this year. Two events called the Best of British. We've got one which is called Strictly Piano, which right. is going to be people uh, dancing to Chopin waltzes and <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we've got a very uh, modest pianist who said, yeah, I don't mind if people get up and dance while I play, you know, Piazzolla or whatever. I was going to say, I was just going to say Piazzolla would be perfect, yes. There. And uh, we've got another event called Lie Down and Listen, which is exactly that, a pianist right. uh, from the uh, Oxfordshire area. She brings in 60 mattresses and people lie down at 10 o'clock at night and listen to her play for an hour and if they fall asleep, that's fine. Um, will someone be doing the um, list Hungarian Rhapsody number no. 2 to the Tom and Jerry? In the middle of that? No, no, no. You know, oh, in general? You've seen the oh, performances where the no. pianists do the Tom and Jerry. We have also got silent movies. We haven't got cartoons yet. So we've got three silent movies which are being given a live accompaniment. Fantastic. Lauren Hardy, uh, I think it's uh, Harold Lloyd and Buster Keaton, I think. But Chaplin, Chaplin and Keaton. That's fantastic. So, and then just some straight recitals uh, with themes. And we've got one fella coming from Italy who I'm very excited about. It's called Scipione San Giovanni. And he's one of the few people who have Well said, by the way. <laughs> and it, he might disagree. Uh, he sent us some footage of him playing. We've had a few people submitting things, which is great. Shows how popular we've become. Right. Well known. But he's the one person I went, I've got to have this. And his concert, he's agreed, is going to be called Baroque and Roll. And he plays a mixture of stuff. This is his program, not my idea. Right. I just came up with the title. From Purcell to uh, Bach. And then he puts in the middle of it pieces by Nirvana and Radiohead that he's adapted. Love it. The piano. Love so, it. Baroque I- and Roll. And he plays like a dream. How fantastic is that? Yeah. Ludlow. Why Ludlow? It's where I moved to. It's where I live. But um, why? What, what's, well, tell us about, for people who don't know in Australia, anything about Ludlow. It's a medieval town, very beautifully preserved. It's got a modern outskirts. It's still very small, though. I think it's 10,000 people, so it's a pretty right. small town. Uh, but it's got a beautiful street. John Bexman, you know, famous British poet, yep. said it's the most beautiful street in England. This was right. in the 60s. It hasn't changed. I think it's still and he hadn't drunk anything, apparently. He hadn't drunk anything. And uh, another uh, big commentator on the English uh, landscape, J- Jeremy Paxman, said who has right. not been to Ludlow and wanted to live there. It's a beautiful town. And I moved there three years ago, did a concert in this fabulous church we have, which apparently is the biggest church that isn't a cathedral in the country. Okay. Uh, and it has a great Steinway in residence, which is used six times a year. It's rather, rather convenient. And I thought this should be played more. Then they have a, 
an assembly room, which is a good venue, 300 seats again, with a fantastic Yamaha brand in it, played six times a year. At the festival, I write in thinking, therefore, that the programming, you have concerts from, say, midday to 10 at night? Uh, pretty much, yeah, it's from 11, I think, is the first, and then we finish about midnight. Do you have anything yeah. like uh, workshops, masterclasses, chats? Two masterclasses, uh, chats we did last year, but they didn't sell that well, so we're, we're okay. trying to put other things on this time instead of the, the chats. Well, I'd like to urge all of our Australian friends who are heading up, which many will, of course, yeah. each year, um, to head to our Wales and to head to Leafy Ludlow. Yeah, not quite Wales. We're 12 miles from the Welsh border. It's practically Wales. I, thought, I always thought it shows you what I know, how little I know. I thought Ludlow was Wales. It so, was the capital of Wales. But how do was, they speak? You can give in us Ludlow, a yeah, uh, very, You can't hear Welsh at all. They sort of talk, talk like that, really. Oh, yeah, well, he's coming around there. And, oh, you've got to Seriously? change that tap. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to change that tap, Alistair. That tap's dripping a lot. No Welsh? So, no Welsh. Okay, finally, for someone who has traversed the lofty heights in both comedy and music, they can be married, and the genius of Victor Borger, who I still marvel at how brilliantly clever he's at both, yeah. at both comedy and music, yeah. have you not thought to uh, try and combine the two? I have, and I was doing that until uh, before lockdown. I went back to it, I think, about uh, 18 months ago was the last time I did it. Uh, and that was a show where I did do, but I didn't do comedy music. I did some stand-up and impressions, okay. of whoever it might be. Yeah. And then I did the piano in between. So, I would, uh, for instance, I was doing an impression of Raymond Blanc, a very celebrated chef from France. Excuse me. I've been eating some of his food. And then, uh, after that, I would talk about uh, my favourite French composer and okay. talk about Eric Satie and then yeah. uh, play my Satie or whatever. Very nice, very nice. So, I did that but not comedy and music. You've got to be so skilled to do that at both, and I'm not skilled enough at the music. But it was still an interesting juxtaposition, suddenly saying, you know, here's an impression of Harry Kane or an impression of Gareth Southgate, and then suddenly, now... That's fantastic. Another, you know, somebody who liked his sport was, was George Gershwin, and then... We liked the French, and in fact, one of my all-time favourite piano concertos is, in fact, the Ravel piano concerto. Oh, yeah. Searingly beautiful. Intensely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. As most Ravel is. Yeah. Uh, the second movement is to die for, in the nicest possible way. I think he'd be even more popular if he wasn't so bloody difficult to play. Because I think amateurs can make pieces popular because they think that Ravel stuff is so... You know, there's a separate conversation, not for this week, about should should academics and arrangers, particularly arrangers like myself, should we be encouraged to take the melodies from otherwise, like Rachmaninoff piano concertos, the actual melodies are very simple, but all the ornamentation that is put in is very dense and very difficult. Yeah. Should people be encouraged to play the melodies of these difficult pieces? I think so. I mean, you know, Bassoni got in on Bach's work, Liszt took over in yeah. a lot of Bach and, and Schumann, was it, that Liszt yeah. really took, took yeah. apart and made something of, so why not? And uh, if there's a beautiful theme there... And Everyone should be able to play it, don't you think? Well, at Rachmaninoff, you know, you think of All By Myself, that's from his... Yeah. Second symphony, is it? Or second piano? Da, 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 da. So why not just strip things out and play them? There's also, I think, in the middle of a Tchaikovsky symphony, there's some. I think it's the third symphony. Anyway, Alistair, a, a huge delight, as always, to have you here. From the leafy, lofty fields of English Ludlow. I will never say Ludlow is in Wales again. Thank you. Um, if you do get a chance, listeners, please go and Google search the Ludlow International Piano Festival, of which Alistair is the artistic director of. Correct. There's no international, but it is international. It is international. It's just called yeah. Ludlow Piano Festival. Okay. Yeah. We're going to love you and leave you. We're going to leave you some music. You are, of course, listening to Alistair McGowan in conversation with Warren Wills, coming to you live from Piccadilly for this week's edition of the London Beat.
Dear listeners, all good things must indeed come to an end in this week's edition of The London Beat is, of course, no exception. Huge call out with deep gratitude. Great thanks to JB Jordan Brown over there in the UK. And we're doing the heavy lifting and producing. In fact, the last number that you heard on this show today was, in fact, an original composition penned by the excruciatingly talented, handsome and wonderful producer, performer, bass player, composer, uh, Mr. J.B. Jordan Brown. And, of course, uh, looking forward to this week on Thursday, SBS News TV are coming to film uh, our collaboration of Night of Building Bridges with the Atongji uh, Melbourne Association. Most extraordinary, wonderful bunch of talented performers uh, from Shanghai Alumni University, uh, who we had the great pleasure and privilege of doing our concert with last week, which was an immense success, uh, bringing people of different cultures, ethnicities, of different socioeconomic classes, of abilities, disabilities, and so on. It really was a fantastic triumph of success. And... We wish Spurs a slightly better luck. Um, Ange Ball, as it was, Mr. Postacoglu started out with such great pomp and such great authority as Spurs roared um, with a nosebleed, uh, hitting punching way above their station in their way uh, to the top of the English Premier League, only to lose three in a row, and probably to Manchester City making it four in a row. Um, which is enough in anybody's terms. Congratulations to the Beatles for after 60 years becoming number one once again. And of course to Robbie Williams uh, for coming and doing his naughty boy thing over here in Melbourne, which I think uh, was probably a good thing. Next year, obviously, watch out for AI, artificial intelligence, 
Uh, uh, who knows what we're going to be in five years flooding? God knows. No, I'm going to remain positive. Let's remain positive. Much better to remain positive. And nice to see that, um, yes, Miss Saigon, Lacage, Chicago, we're all here in Melbourne. And congratulations for the castle, which is happening over in Riyadh. Uh, Mr. Tim Lawson doing his stuff over there. Acapulco recovering from appalling flooding, devastation. And propenguins look like being extinct because the ice has not returned to the Antarctic continent. Topol has passed away this year. As indeed Henry Kissinger, as indeed Harry Belafonte, Bert Bacharach, and indeed Mr. Tony Bennett, uh, and Raquel Walsh, of course. Uh, looking forward to seeing the Lenny Bernstein film, which is uh, up and coming. Let Imran Khan out of jail, for goodness sake. Will someone do that? It has been fantastic having the privilege and pleasure of your company this week. We look forward to it next week. And a huge thank you to our guests. I'm fascinated to hear Miss Denise Sylvie, who indeed is the artistic director of the most successful longest-running play, Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap, in a West End in London and across the globe, and, of course, general manager at St Martin's Theatre, and, of course, the multi-talented, incredible talent that is Mr Alistair McGowan. This is Warren Wills wishing you a fantastic week. All the very best for this week's edition of the London Beat.
against the dark Hoping for the summer and the flowers To come alive and melt our sorrow down Bring the smiles and heal the scars Time has drawn upon my skin And carved into my bones This veil I'm living in be my own
הבנתי, אני שבוע לא נרדם, ואם להיות דרמטי. J.R. 88FM J.R. is committed to diversity and inclusiveness for the Jewish and broader community. J-Air.com.au Step into a world of authentic Greek flavours at the Mediterranean Greek Tavern, a family business based in Elstonwick for over 22 years. Enjoy freshly grilled souvlaki, seafood or a traditional Greek banquet. The welcoming atmosphere and family-friendly environment will make you feel right at home, as if you're part of the family. Phone 9530-0396 to make a booking or to inquire about a function. The Mediterranean Greek Tavern, 511 Glen Huntley Road, Elstonwick. Your home for free...